I would love Oli to stay. <laughs> Are you, you know, know why? Because as long as he stays, United aren't that yeah. much of a threat. You know what? That was the first game that really finished me off, you know. <laughs> that's, that's, that was the first game. That was the game that finished me off. Sandfields. Oh, <laughs> I, I keep hearing that. Oh, it's Anfield. It's not my fault if you can't fill your stadium, in it. It's not my fault. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Tell them. Tell them. The Breakdown Podcast. So what's good, people? You're tuned into the Breakdown Podcast, episode 15. Just the three of us on the pod today. Got a man like T, what are you saying? I'm good, man. Penalty season, but another one. So we're still up there. <laughs> Diving season. All right, cool. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> I ain't biting, bruv. You keep doing this. It's the second week in a row, bro. I'm not biting. <laughs> Liverpool, yeah? Okay. <laughs> Say no more. What do you say, Jay? Back to winning ways, I guess. Um, uh, Arsenal, other God, three goals in three games. The world is turning upside down, basically. (laughs) 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 But um, yeah, I'm good, man. But um, big up to Max um, Verstappen because it's not his fault. Do you know what I mean? It's just, mm. it's kind of not his fault. He won the, the championship and that, but it was just like mad. But you're just thinking, you know, when you're just thinking about sport as a whole and you're just like, what is actually going on? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what is happening? Mm-hmm. But obviously, into, onto more football things anyway. Then we talk about the Champions League draw. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> well, how many draws do you want to have? Like, <laughs> But I've not, I've not seen that before, boy. but it makes me question like what we've been seeing then. Technical problems, guys. It can happen to anyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it can happen to anyone <laughs> at any point. <laughs> As if it's happened ever in history. Like what? Like you but, did but it was mad because it, it was just like mistake after mistake after mistake. It was like one mistake or the first mistake, and then they said, "Oh, wait, hold on, guys, we've made a mistake. Let's stop here. We do whatever." And then what's it called? They made three mistakes and then they released the results like okay so that's this is what we're doing now until um teams started complaining about it so that's what i found a bit you know what i'm saying a bit a bit mm-hmm. dodgy there mm. but i'm not gonna lie i've been working so i missed that thing i saw the first round and i was thinking you know what mm. yeah i mean it seemed like it was a draw the initial draw is in their favor of the, the supposed bigger sides. Um, except one. Except one, maybe. Well, yeah. De- <laughs> depending, depending on how you look at that. Um, I, I, I really <laughs> think that they wanted, they wanted PSG versus United. I, I, yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> I do <laughs> think they wanted that Ronaldo at Messi uh, versus each other. Like, story. Yeah. yeah. But they fumbled the bag because they fumbled <laughs> it. They, did, they couldn't do it properly. You know what I mean? Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly, yeah, exactly. they couldn't get it done. I like as well, involved. Yeah, in the, F, in, the thing is, yeah, in the F1, it was clear. Yeah, the race director just said, Yeah, nah, nah. The ref, each he was he was honest about it. at least he was honest. Yeah, <laughs> these guys, yeah, anyway. But yeah, so obviously, let me let me, let me put out the fixtures now, anyway, so you can see. Which 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 um, ones are they? Are they the proper ones? Yeah, okay. Then. Yeah, these are, <laughs> these are the real ones. I was Supposedly. getting set. 
Listen, I was all getting set for um for PSG, man. Although I hate Man United playing against them, I hate it. Like every time, every single season, it's like PSG. P- oh, give us a break, man. Do you know mm. what I mean? We're sick of each other. And <laughs> well, obviously, um, you can see now. So what's that? P- PSG and Real Madrid, Sporting, um, and Man City, um, Salzburg against Bayern Munich, Inter Milan against Liverpool, Villarreal, Juventus, Chelsea and Lille. Um, what do you think? Um, what, what, what do I think about the draw or what do I think about yeah. who's going to win it? The draw? No, nah, as in the draw, the draw, the draw. Who, 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 what, what are you, who are you think is going through? Yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go straight in, in terms of the, in terms of who, who I think will, will proceed. Um, so, PSG, Real Madrid, I see Real Madrid, Progressing. Um, Hold on, before you move off that, though, T, mm. what, mm. what are you saying, Jay? PSG and Real Madrid. Okay, okay. Let's do that. Oh, um, I was just going to say, just to add, you, you, you know, you said you're Man United are tired of playing PSG. So Real Madrid probably as well, because they played <laughs> a couple times as well. Um, I'm going with I'm going with Real Madrid this one. Yeah, me. I'm 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 Real Madrid, obviously. I'm not gonna bet against the house, please. <laughs> um sport in a man city. City for me. Yeah. Obviously, Man City. <laughs> That's quite a straightforward one for me. And I feel like it can be probably is gonna be like a cricket score as well. Um, personally. I think they're really gonna rub their noses in it in that second leg. <laughs> I could be it could be wrong, but I feel like there's 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 goals in there. Do you know what I mean? Um Salzburg and Bayern. Uh Bayern, easy, but this it might be a more interesting game though, from a from a talent point of view. But Bayern will win it, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think Bayern will win it. Um I saw the Salzburg guy call it uh he said it's a bit of, it's a bit of a derby. Um so Mm. He um he's making it a bit Australia tasty Germany. for themselves. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think Bayern should should win. If they don't if they don't win, it would be a big upset. Huge. Yeah, I've got yeah, I got Bayern as well in that one. Inter versus Liverpool, an interesting clash. I think this is probably the tie of the the sixteen outside of the obvious. I think this might be a more in, like the most interesting game. Um I'm going to say Liverpool, but I think I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be straightforward, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I think, because these are after um, AFCON, yeah? I think yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how how your main guys are, um, Liverpool main guys are after after AFCON, how, depending on how far they go and mm-hmm. how many games they play. Um, but in terms some some good form at the moment. They've just retaken top spot in Syria um, as we speak. Got a lot of clean sheets, but in the Champions League got handled by Real Madrid like quite quite straightforwardly. They couldn't get past them. But they are themselves an attacking threat. So yeah, I think it will be a tight one, but I'll I'll go Liverpool. Barella suspended yeah. for the first leg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he punched um, someone's leg. I can't remember who his leg it was, but... Yeah, Militao, kicked out. Militao, that's it. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. hit out. 
Interestingly, when is when is Afcon? Um, third of Jan. I think they're trying to make it the third of Jan now. Um, okay. And push it like a week earlier. If it's not the third of Jan, I think it's going to be the week after. I think I saw like the ninth or something like that. It's going to kick mm-hmm. off. So I oh, think yeah. for uh, in the English calendar, I think it falls maybe during some League Cup and FA Cup potential fixtures. Um, and obviously a couple of league games as well. But specifically for Liverpool, um, it looks like, or originally anyway, if they stick to the original scheduling of that second week in Jan, then it looks like Salah, um, Mane and Keita will only miss two games because of those those cup competitions playing around at the same time. Um, but, you know, who knows? There's a lot of, there's some issues apparently, Cameroon and obviously this, this uh, the, the obvious stuff that's going on around this virus and whatever might complicate or might impact the start of the the Afcon or whether it takes place at all. Mm, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I go Liverpool. I feel like Liverpool's going to win that. Chelsea and Lille. It's a, that's an interesting tie, but I feel like Chelsea will overpower Lille. Mm. Uh, um, I'm not sure. I mean, if you're basing it on what we know now, I'm not sure. You know. Um, I think that's a it's a good game and there's um yeah Chelsea are Chelsea are struggling to keep a clean sheet. Um mm. they are struggling to keep a clean sheet. They're struggling to see out these games. Um and at the other side of it as well, Lille started off the season quite badly, but with losing they've their coach now. Mm. But they've picked up a bit and they're um they're quite solid. Um their defence seems to have found its rhythm and um yeah. Defence midfield, Renato Sanchez is running midfield. Um and Jonathan David is doing well up front and Borat Yomas is still making Don't those, forget those runs. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Yomas is still hey, making shot, those two the runs. <laughs> this is he's licking the net right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, it the favourites are Chelsea, but I think it'll be if if you're going on the form guide from now, it'll be tight. So. Yeah, it's basically basically two months from now, isn't it? So yeah. a lot will change, man. Chelsea will have their players back and stuff. I think it'll be an interesting game. Um, I see. Well, I do see though. Mm, yeah, that's that's a big one. That's a big one. I, I can see Chelsea making it a, a scrappy game, a dirty one, and then them. Them with a slender lead getting through. Mm. Yeah, I can see that as well, man. I just think I just think Chelsea just the physicality might start telling a little bit um when it comes down to it. I like Lil, I definitely do. Um, but you know, we're gonna have to see. Um Villarreal, Juventus. I would say I'm gonna say Juventus. Um but I I don't know. This this could be a, like a fifty fifty in my in my book. Mm. Uve are that, just a little <laughs> bit a little bit limp at the moment, man. Mm. Mm. Off the boil a lot. Um, yeah, I'm gonna Jeez, say Villarreal. Mm. I'm gonna go with Juve because I think mm. I think Juve will have some of their players back, like Chiesa. Um, He's been out for a while. Um, we should be back 
So I'm gonna go with Juve, but I don't think I don't think it'll be the best uh, round of sixteen game. Oh my goodness me! Yeah. Danjuma, you know horrible. Is so... That guy is a problem. Key. Right, that so guy's a problem. That's two, what I'm saying. <laughs> two fixtures, which I haven't got the visual out for here, but um. I don't know why. I don't, I don't have the visual. I just don't have it. But it's cool. <laughs> if you're listening, we're going to talk about it. Um, two more fixtures. Benfica and Ajax. Obviously, one of the more high-profile games. of the <laughs> um, Ajax, for me, um, 100%. Can yeah. it go through in that one? Yeah, I think, actually, I think this is the... For me, if I was going to pick a tie this one, Ajax-Benfica, I think it would be, be good. Because... Thingy, what's his name? The Benfica coach, is it George? Jesus? He's such a like. <laughs> Shit, how's we, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's he's under war. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you might have your best laid plans out there, and he's just like, "Is it all right, guys? <laughs> let's 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 you know." Um, but Ajax have been playing some of the best football in Europe um, during the group stages. So yeah, I'm gonna put my hat on on Ajax. But, Again, I think I think it'll make it difficult. Benfica, they got some sharp shooters, isn't it? They got Darwin, Yeremchuk, these kind of guys that are will, will score a goal for them. Um, so it won't be easy. See what you're saying. Ajax, Benfica. I think Ajax. I think I think they've been pretty irresistible in the group stage, and um, as long as they keep their players fit. Um, I think that maybe the attacking crop might be a bit too much. Might be a bit of bias, though. Who knows? Who knows? Cool. So, final tie. Oh, glad it's not PSG, to be honest. Atletico Madrid and Man United. Um, I'm going for Manchester United to advance. Who's at home first? Atletico Madrid. Hmm. I'm going to say Atleti, actually. I think they're in over two legs. Very difficult to side to beat. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to back Atleti. No surprise there from the Liverpool fans. Go, go ahead, Jay. I'm, I'm going for United. Um, because athlete, uh, they're not the athletic of the past. They're, At they're, all. they're actually, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're shipping goals. They're, uh, currently, I think, what, 13 points behind since yesterday now? Um, the Breakdown Podcast. they got Kondogbia playing in defence <laughs> at the moment, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, so I, yeah, and, and also up front, they're not as, as clinical as well, so... Yeah, all around they they seem a bit downgraded from where they were before, um, where they could put up a, a masterclass in defending and nick it. Um, that the day, yeah. <laughs> if it was the old uh, Atleti where you're talking about low block, or if you're talking about them being able to grit out stuff, cool. But you know, yeah. I, it's not the same. They haven't got the same snap, the same zip. They don't attack with the same um, vigor as well. You know, Real Madrid, who are decent at the moment, in decent form, but just dealt with them, dealt with them in the derby, just very just clinically, you know, 
And it wasn't even like Real Madrid were like super counter-attacking or whatever. It was just just better at football, just better mm -hmm. passing the ball on the floor. You mm -hmm. know, um, he, di he didn't need to do much. So I don't know. Dominant. I'd be surprised. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if Manchester United was to lose to, especially having a new coach now as well and his approach to the football. Um, I'd be very surprised if the likes of Greenwood and, do you know what I mean, Sancho and Greenwood and all that, and probably Pogba might be back fit and maybe in the team, who knows? You know what I mean? With those players, I'd be surprised if they was to lose to this Atletico side, to be honest. But it's football, isn't it? Like, it's over two legs. Um, they'll probably have to go and get an away goal at minimum, <laughs> which sometimes can be quite difficult. Um, but again, it just it, I, I feel like it just depends on... It depends on the approach to the game from Manchester United more so than the approach of what Atletico Madrid's going to do. But it's a, it's a decent tie. To be honest, as a Man United fan, it, uh, just the thought of playing PSG again just made me feel sick. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm just tired of them. So I'm, just, I'm happy to have that have that there. Do you know what I mean? So those are storylines with the Real Madrid-PSG one, isn't it? Exactly. Sergio Ramos... Um, mm -hmm. Going back to the Bernabeu, Mbappe, That's um, true. Messi as well, playing past rival. Loads of, mm. loads of, loads of storylines there. But I still, you know me anyway. I backed all the English clubs. I back all. I back all the English clubs. <laughs> I feel like I genuinely believe that we could have definitely four in the last eight, and I won't be surprised to see three. English clubs in the last in the last in the semi-finals. Mm. That's how confident I am anyway. Do you know what I mean? I'm very confident. Like I, I think I think I feel like at the start of the season I, I probably said I thought Chelsea I, I felt like Chelsea Chelsea could probably do it again. Do you know what I mean? Or at least get to the final. So the draw's been kinda you know what I mean, kinda all right to them. You know what I mean? So I feel like they could I feel like Chelsea could do it. But all the English clubs, like I was saying, I was saying to you guys the other day, like I feel like all the English clubs have nothing to worry about. Um, probably apart from Man United, do you know what I mean? Because Man United is still, we still don't know yet. But the other three clubs from England, like Man City shouldn't be scared of anybody. Mm. Um, Chelsea, the holders, they've got the experience there of winning it recently. And then Liverpool can can literally pound some of these teams into the, into the floor. So I feel like the other teams should be looking and thinking, oh, I don't want to play against the English teams, to be honest. Obviously they won't because football, but I don't know. I back the English clubs heavily to to populate the last stages of this tournament because this is this is you know it goes in cycles. This is our cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely, definitely goes in cycles. And I think you mentioned one key thing there about um, like whether other sides want to play the English sides. I think that's what the side them sides will be looking at. Be, it's going to be a bit unpleasant just because of the intensity, because of um, the physicality, and the level that those those three English sides at the moment in the Premier League, the level they're operating at is 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 quite scary. It's very unforgiving right now. So I think you're right. Maybe Bayern, maybe Bayern, Madrid, PSG probably look at them and they'll, they'll probably think that they could give a game. But I think they'll be worried. You know, they'll be like, yeah, if we can avoid them, let's avoid the English sides, kind of thing. Um. So yeah, I'm aligned with you there, man. I just want someone to. I just want one of us to draw Bayern. To be honest, I'd have preferred someone to draw draw Bayern in this in this round. It could have only been 
I don't know if Chelsea could have got them. Um, well, because obviously Chelsea finished second in their group, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. potentially could have got one of the, the first um, the teams that finished first. But I want someone to draw Bayern because I feel like I feel like Bayern will get this work. Oh, bro, we had this chat. <laughs> I mean, you, you know what like it is, Bayern bro? can hold some, some serious work. If, if you're looking at them right now, then yeah, maybe without Goretzka, maybe without Kimmich, yeah. But they might be, Kimmich will be back in the new year. And so most likely will Goretzka. And I think those two add the intensity that we're looking for. And maybe if you look at the back line, yes, I don't think Upamakano, it has settled the most gracefully, but he's still a young player. Um, and I think if you look at all of the other departments, you look at the goalkeeper, he can probably square up to anybody in Europe. Um, and you look at that attacking line, you look at Sane, who's rediscovered his, his, his form, Nabri can't even get in the team as he was um, for the last couple of seasons. Coleman as well as obviously looks like he's he's picked up a bit of consistency in terms of his injury record. And you've got Louis up top. And then, you know, from even the bench as well, you've got the likes of Musiala who can come in and, and, and contribute and make a big impact. You've got Muller. Bro, you've got a lot of quality. So all I'm saying is I wouldn't underestimate Bayern especially their ability to play at a high intensity because the players who you would usually bring that are out at the moment. Um, and maybe, yeah, if, if you're putting it on the back line, fair enough. But I just wouldn't underestimate that forward line. But their best players, are they... Uh, their best players, are they world-class? Apart from Lewandowski, are they world-class? <sighs> I mean, what? So, so we're talking Sane, Muller... Coleman, Nabri, the rest of them, yeah, all the rest of them. Like, are they are they good players? Mm. Like, in the sense of, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, like, but if you think of buying Ribery, Robin, like, you know, that type that type of buying, you're like, okay, no, this is this is this is a lot here. But I'm just like, mm. you know, what I'm saying, like, is is I mean, that as frightening? I mean, these are the same players that spanks eight past Barcelona, albeit they're older. Um, but they have they have they have shown to be ruthless and deadly up front, um, and I think Bayern have always probably had not the best back line anyway. Um, you, whether it be Pumacano or Jerome Boateng or whoever, but my my worry about Bayern though, I do have a worry about Bayern is is the coach actually in his. Um, ex, I don't know, I don't even know if ex experience is the right word, but. Just his ability to to, to win. Um, I haven't seen anything that shows me that he he can go far enough to win this this trophy. Um, they've already gone out of the the focal right. Um, mm -hmm. I think they got hammered actually out of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even just like a you know a cheeky back backdoor exit. They were like put on blast, you know, and um, and yeah and. <clears throat> Just not sure if Julian Nagelsmann, I I don't feel, I don't trust him to dig it out like when the when the stage is set like you know, um, and I think also now we're looking at them and they're struggling in some of the games and they're kind of edging past teams rather than you know putting these teams away that they should be putting away in the Bundesliga. So I can under, I can hear I hear I hear what Mark's saying like I think if 
if if they play like a City um, or a Liverpool in particular, I don't. I think that it would be pretty much a 50-50 game or a you know fifty-one forty-nine game. Um, I don't think there's a clear favourite if if Bayern meet City, and I don't think there's a clear favourite if maybe if Bayern meet Liverpool either. Um, I think they're both can shoot each other like you know, pretty badly. So I, I hear what Mark's saying, but um, but Bayern seem to be the best that Europe has to offer at the moment. They're the top of mm. the what's it called. So if you feel like that, then you know. I don't put anything past Real Madrid because this is their competition, isn't it? Like, this is, say, you know, <laughs> you know. Let me let's 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 you know. Let's this give is it up. And, and you know this is Carlos Carlos competition as well. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, that's that's what I would I would it's add a tough that. one. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, I, I can't I can't wait for these fixtures to be honest. Like, I genuinely can't. It's it's annoying that it's like ah. Uh, you know, middle of February kind of thing that you have to wait. But, you know, I can't wait for the fixtures because I feel like this is going to be one of the most um, stacked. Because just, you know, like when you look at, the, I don't think there's a wasted fixture in terms of the last 16. You know, sometimes where it's two big boys against each other and you're like, why are you wasting a fixture here? Yeah. I feel yeah. like the last eight is going to be clean. What about um, PSG and, and Real? I don't mind that. Do you know what I mean? I don't mind if, if one of those two is to go out because there's enough left in the competition. Because let's say, for example, it's Ajax that goes through against Benfica and you still get, you know what I mean? You still get mm. your, your Chelsea's and your this and your that in there, but then you mix in Ajax, you mix in Real Madrid or PSG. Do you know what I mean? Um, shout out to Barcelona though. Like, I don't know who they got in the Europa League, but, you know. They actually got Napoli, you know. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they yeah, got yeah. That's quite a good game, actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> a very good game. We got Barcelona, man. Europa, Europa League this season is not too bad, you know. Yeah, the team's man. in there. I'm sure so they're it's in there. It's good. It's yeah. very. It's, there's a lot of talent in there. Are you going to yeah, be watching? Yeah. yeah, I love a little watch. <laughs> I love a little watch. Why not? I won't. I won't <laughs> be watching it. No, thank you. But yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised at that, mate. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but speaking <laughs> about teams, you know, at the bottom of um, the pecking order and stuff like that, obviously, Premier League, I feel like in the Premier League, the bottom half of the Premier League is probably more interesting at the moment than the top. Because I feel like at the moment, there's like a lot of teams that, well, we don't know who's going to be involved in the scrap. Mm. We actually don't know who's going to be involved in the scrap. So I'll... I'll Literally, um, the bottom sides, yeah, uh, the, the the bottom 10 in the Premier League, I would even say the bottom 11 in the Premier League. I reckon any of those teams, any three of those teams, potentially, do you know what I mean? With bad runs, because you saw, like, for example, Aston Villa went five games unbeaten and had to sack the manager. And when they were five games unbeaten, it was just like, you know, it can happen. You know, Everton's form form table at the moment is just mad. Watford mm-hmm. are, are on a serious, you know what I mean, on, on some serious shaky ground at the moment. They're still, it's quite patchy. Who do you guys think is, is actually genuinely involved in a relegation scrap? Um, so I, I've identified six teams that I feel are in big trouble. 
Um, and I think the bottom three in the relegation zone at the moment, so Norwich and Newcastle, Burnley, I think are right in it. I think the, the, the two sides that probably will not be able to recover will be Newcastle and Norwich. Um, I think Burnley have experience of being in this position and have the tools to get out of this situation. If you look at Newcastle, though, I think very it's very clear that they're the side that's conceded the most goals in the league. Um, and they're in transition at the moment in terms of the manager. We don't know what's going to be available to them in January. And they've just won their first game um, the other day. For me, I, I go back to that to that pod, Marky, where you mentioned about sides getting used to losing. And I think that's quite key because I think that's what's happening there with Newcastle. I don't know if they're going to be able to shake it enough. They might be able to if they pick up the right signings, which is what we said, I think, in the last pod. But going, going by the form at the moment, I think they're in big, big trouble. Um and it's it's almost more alarming when you have the you can look at the roster and you can see the quality in the side. Saint Maximan should not be in and around about this kind of danger with the with the talent level he has. The same goes for Callum Wilson. You know the same for um, some of the other players like maybe Willock and these kind of players there. You know, um, but again, it's very dependent on what they can do in January because the current crop I think will land them in big trouble. I don't think Norwich should score enough goals, um, to be completely honest. There's too much reliance on Puki. And whether Dean Smith can come in and change the fortunes, I think it might be a little bit too late. Um, you know, that's 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 my that's my kind of thoughts on it. At the start of the season, I mentioned Southampton. The breakdown podcast. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna um I'm gonna highlight them again. Because I think Southampton have the biggest potential to put together the biggest losing run. Because they did this the back end of last season. They had, oh, sorry, the middle of last season. They had a massive losing streak. And it just looked like they just couldn't arrest it. Every game, they didn't look likely to win a football match. You know? And I just look at that and they've lost Danny Ings. They've lost Vestergaard. They've lost the quality at the, in the two boxes that make the difference. And I'm not sure whether they'll be able to score enough goals between um, Che Adams and um, what's what's the striker's name who, who they signed from the championship? What's his name? Armstrong. Armstrong, there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure they'll be able to, to, to get enough goals there, to be honest with you. And also, Southampton have conceded the most goals this calendar year away from home. 50 goals they've conceded away from home which is a record. Um, and I guess, I think the other side is um, Leeds, which, which which I highlight with a heavy heart. Um, <laughs> I highlight with a heavy heart. The reason why, the reason why I highlight Leeds is because I think they've been unfortunate with their injuries this season. And we all understand the playing style. We get it. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no denials there. It can be, a bit naive week on week. But there's no denying that Loriente and his 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 um his injury record, the biggest one's probably Phillips being in and out of the side because he's the heartbeat of the side. Um and Bamford, you know, 
um, Bamford missing the goals for them is, is huge. So they've obviously had the reliance on Rafinha. So I feel like that might get them in a bit of a scrap if they can't get those boys fit. And I think Phillips has just picked up another injury and so is Bamford. So for me, those six sides are the real relegation candidates. The other sides, even the likes of Everton, the likes of Palace, Villa, I think they've all got bigger potential to put together runs that will get them out of trouble, you know. Um, with the likes of, you know, um, Calvert-Lewin, for example, when he comes back, I'm confident Everton will, will score goals. Villa, I think, can tighten up at the back. We've seen it under Gerard already and we've seen Palace's potential. Um, Brighton, I think, will be fine. And so, yeah, man, that's 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 my that's my stance on it in terms of the sides who are in danger. Cool. Jay, who's, who's, who's in trouble for you? Uh, yeah, just uh, a lot of a lot of stuff that T said. Um, I would agree with that. I, I think Newcastle's Newcastle's definitely one of them. Um, at this present time, um, even the composition of of the the team that um, Eddie Howe's putting out, and the, you know the full, it's kind of like a four four two. I'm not sure. You know, he's got Shelby and Willock in, in the midfield too. I'm not sure that's that's the composition of a midfield that's gonna, you know, at this time be resolute and get and get and get wins. You can't just be um leaving your door open and and, and conceding loads of goals. Um we saw with Leicester yesterday conceding four goals. That's not the way to go. Um Leicester been in their own bad form um, and got away with a clean sheet. Also, don't understand as well why um, Eddie Howe plays personally plays uh, Saint Maximan on the left hand side. I think that's a big waste of what he can do um, going forwards. Um, I think that somehow you have to try and get him to have more of a free role. Um, uh, and, and if you're going to play 4-4-2, you're going to want that left winger to really be helping out defensively, especially in their situation. And I don't think that's what you want, say, Maximan doing. Oh, that's what not what I would want him doing anyway. Um, so I'm just not sure that Eddie Howe's quite found um, how he wants the team to function and to do the things you need to do to get out of this, this kind of funk. Um, and then... Callum Wilson, we know Callum Wilson's a good striker, but he's got a touchy injury record. If he's to get injured again, what happens then? Who scores their goals? Um, so, yeah, Newcastle are just conceding too many goals. Um, and, yeah, I'm not sure about the way they're playing at the moment. But fixtures well, as well, bro. And the fixtures as well, not good that are coming up. Um, I've got Norwich as well, though I think since Dean Smith's gone there, Norwich have tightened up a little bit at the back. I think um, they've made it difficult for some teams um, since Dean Smith has come in. Um, and they're not they're not shipping goals for fun. But like T said, I'm not sure that they've got enough goals in their team to actually win, win games and get points. Um, so it will depend what they do in the, in the transfer window. But Norwich is not a team that tend to do anything in the transfer window or do much in the transfer window anyway. Um, much of the team that we were watching now, we saw them the last time they were they were here, and you know some have gone and they haven't really replaced them. So, yeah, I, I've I think probably maybe the damage has been done there, but I will say that Norwich probably look a tad bit better 
um, than they did under Mr. Fark. Um, and then I've actually got Watford. Um, similar sort of thing. Like they score a lot of goals um, and they've got some good good attackers, but the defence is just too, it's too poor. There's too many, it's too open. <laughs> and it hasn't, it hasn't, I like Ranieri, but it hasn't really changed since he's come in. So um, if, if that doesn't get looked at, then they'll just, you know, they'll keep scoring goals, but ultimately he'll score two goals, concede four or five, and it's not the way to stay in the league. So those are my three. Um, but I do think that Everton are, if they don't change something, I mean, they've changed one thing already. They've, they've, they've got rid of their director of football, their sporting director. But if they don't change something else, I, I think, I think, I don't think um, um, DCL coming in is enough. Personally, the way they play is just, and the way they're playing, they are playing like a relegation type side. Um, can't believe Arsenal lost them, but. Um, <laughs> Um, we got Damari Gray. <laughs> <laughs> well, Damari Gray and his pass back. I don't know if you want to have a little <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> You've done more Mitchell good than bad, man. Big up, big up Damari Gray. Big up Damari Gray, though. Uh, uh, he's, 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 a, he's a top talent. Top, top talent. But, um, yeah, the, the way that they're playing at the back, and the, I mean, just the way that the team, the manager sets out the team to play, I don't think he's getting the best out of the players that he has. So if that doesn't change, and I think this run, this bad run that they're on, could could go on. Um, yeah. So I so think yours is Norwich, Newcastle, Watford, and you put Everton in there. Is there anyone else you want to put in, or, or uh, is that is that it for you? Those those lot will contest it. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm for now. I'm going to leave it at that. I do think that. I agree with what Mark um, T said with Southampton and Leeds, but I do think that at some point when they do get there, because it's a long way out still, at some point when Leeds do get their players back, they will they will just scrape it. Um, and with Southampton, I believe in um, Ralph Huzenot. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that he will change it around. He has before, so it will do mm. it again. <laughs> yeah, for me, I'll say... Uh, I think Norwich are gone. Um, like like you guys said, that you know they're not able to score enough goals. They they can up their performance level. There'll be good individual performances. Billy Gilmore's looking really really good. Finally playing in the role that he's supposed to play. Um, but again, you know, your holding midfielders ain't gonna score you the goals. Um, so uh, I believe that Norwich are gone. I think Burnley their luck's out. Um, their luck, their luck is definitely out. I think, um, because again, it's just it's just a bit patchy. Um, they're capable of putting stuff, but I feel like Norwich and Burnley definitely big trouble. Um, mm. I would say these teams. But I, I I would say Norwich, Burnley, uh, Watford, and Southampton. I feel like those guys are going to contest it. I don't put Newcastle in the ones to contest the relegation personally. Really? Because Newcastle, yeah, Newcastle have the advantage of having the bank in January. And they pretty mm. much can sign whoever they want. Like, this, this, this is probably one of the most unique opportunities for a club in January to go out and splash but and not have to worry gonna, about any FFP. Are they going to sign the right players though? 
even if they signed, even if it's because let's be honest, right? Because they having to play Joel Linton, yeah, in, in your attacking mid position is going to hinder any side because it's pretty much playing with 10 men. The guy scored, has he scored more than five goals in his whole time at Newcastle? <laughs> like, do you get what I'm saying? So, that even if you got somebody half decent, do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, just to just to work with him, um, that's 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 going to make a big difference. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Is Dwight Gill fit? I don't Is know, he... but there was uh, politics with him, wasn't there? Before yeah, yeah, yeah. Or him and um, uh, what's it, Graham Jones? I think mm. or, or Steve Bruce, one of them, yeah. They they, they had an issue. I thought it was Steve Bruce, like, yeah, that issue. But I maybe, mean Eddie's maybe, dead now. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But they can I sign wonder. sharp shooters. They can sign they can sign a centre forward that can score fifteen goals. Like they can they can legit go and get purpose built players. This is what I'm trying to say. They're the only ones of that that kind of um the scrap down there that can literally legit go and get somebody who will get them one nil up in games. They could legit mm. go and then buy a centre-half who can replace Fabian Cher, for example, or Kieran Clark, who, you know, probably has more mistakes in them and stuff. So they can legit go and purchase stuff. Yeah. And and that can... Because the thing is, it's not... Like, in my opinion, Eddie Howe is playing the best players that he can possibly play, in my opinion. Like, he's, he's trying to... Like, we did a podcast on it, right? On how to change Newcastle around. A lot of the stuff... Mm. To mm. be honest, he's trying his best. Is my, my man Keo's there? Jamal Lewis, um, you know, at, um, at left back, you know, again, he's he seems to have you know um, Almiron's in there, and you know he's trying his best with it. But I feel like their answer is going to be the transfer window, um, and being able to just to sign ready-made players to just up the level. It's not even about like coaching or whatever. It's just upping the level. Somebody that comes in makes an impact. Do you know what I mean? I think about it. You have a blank check and you can sign yeah. who you want from any league in Europe. Like, yeah. you have to think about that seriously and think, well, there's a couple of areas where you think, well, if they go and buy a couple of forwards, do you mm. know what I'm saying? Because goals is what you need. They'll probably go out and buy an absolute shooter in, in the January thing. So I feel like Newcastle, for me anyway, in my opinion, I feel like they'll be able to to get a couple results here and there and be able to ride it until January. Whereas like say Norwich, Norwich can't do much about their plight, you know. Um, I don't believe so anyway. I feel like they're adrift. Burnley, a little bit blunt. Southampton's an interesting one because I feel like Southampton are banging trouble. Um, they're banging trouble. And and I don't know again, them losing Danny Ings is massive. Massive, massive, massive. Because it's 12, 13, 14 goals. And not just goals, but goals that change games, right? Goals that kind of change the outcome of stuff. It's not it's like he scores the third goal. He will score the winning goal. So I think them losing and obviously having Armstrong in there. So my my guys who's going to contest this is Norwich, Newcastle. Uh, sorry, Norwich, Burnley, um, Watford and Southampton. I think Leeds will be okay. As funny as it is to hear, me, to hear um, that Bielsa's in relegation trouble. The genius, <laughs> you know, the revolutionary coaching club uh, could be in relegation trouble due to a couple of injuries. Um, whoever heard that before, uh, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> as much Bro, as it's uh, lovely to hear that, I don't think needs, I don't think needs are in relegation problems or Everton on the, on the Newcastle one, bro. Um, 
let's not forget the next three fixtures. Liverpool, City and United. And they could I lose think, all three. I oh, think they cool. I think I think they will. Oh. I just think I just think as well, it, there's just something that's just not right about it. Even if they get the players in, can Eddie Howe implement this? I don't know, I've just got a massive question mark. Um, but what if you buy ready-made? Because what I'm saying is if you bought a ready-made, yeah. but if you didn't have to pay Joel Linton, for example, and yeah. you did play Callum Wilson with uh with uh Saint Maximan up front. For example, mm. and he actually did go and buy a central midfielder, a combative central midfielder, for example, who gets about the pitch. For example, let's just say they only did that yeah. combative central midfielder, and they went and 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 played the four four two. Do you know what I mean? And a mm. centre half, for example. Mm. That's, let's that's say the they key did that. Bit. That's the key. Bit. Couple of I couple want... of centre halves and played the four four two. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's less so about like can Eddie Howe improve the level of these players. You're going to get players mm. in that can actually do what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. And I wonder if they would disarm some of their rivals, because that's what they could do, right? There's there's a lot of rumours about Tarkowski, for example. If you go and get a Dwight McNeil, you know, that kind of thing. Or you go and get a Phillips, in theory, let's say, from a Leeds, that kind of thing. You get that kind of profile player in, yeah, I suppose so. There's just a question mark for me, but let's see, innit? The Breakdown Podcast. Yeah, it's it's mad because I feel like the bottom of the the bottom of the league is 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 more exciting because there's just not there's some obvious candidates, but at the same time you're just like from yeah Southampton, Watford, Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich. It's just like you know if any team's playing against those teams, you kind of it's not like before where you think oh no every game's a game. It's like nah, like these teams are quite poor. Watford, mm. oh they could <laughs> Watford's entertainment. Watford. Watford is vibes, you know. Yeah, it's entertaining. Yeah, that's it's what, entertaining. They're pure Dennis and that vibes. Josh King vibes. just when he feels like it, counter attack goal, <laughs> like pure vibes. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you get a pizza if you if you keep a clean sheet on that. Just, <laughs> the whole thing is just like it's it's just vibes. It's just vibes and and you know they got good fans over there and stuff. But it just seems like you know what, really and truly, that's a championship club, man. Like no disrespect, that's a that's a championship team, man. If they if they had to go down, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised. Norwich, yeah. Watford, um, say Southampton or Burnley. You know, I, I I I don't think we'd miss any of those teams to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that is entertainment with Watford, man. You know, I like how they attack. To be honest with you, and I think when Saar comes back in there, it's, it's actually quite entertaining. Yeah. But it's equally entertaining the, watching them defend. <laughs> because, because, because I'm sorry, but for Minya, Trust Ekong, even he's a countryman of mine, but and Craig Kafka, bro, you forgot about Danny Rose, bro, bro. I'm not even including Danny Rose because he he didn't even play versus Brentford, and it was still catastrophic. <laughs> still, I watched the game, and you know Brentford do this thing of when it's on top for Brentford, they keep the ball in the mixer. Mm. That's what they're on. 100%. They know. Listen, it is what it is. You're not getting out of that stranglehold. The ball's in the mixer. Simple. And they just couldn't handle it. It got to the point where Truce Ekong was like, he, you could see he like imploded himself. It's like, <laughs> I can't deal with the pressure. No, no, I can't deal with it. I gave him a pen. I was like, bro, what, what's, what's going on? Deep in stoppage time, 95th minute, he just imploded. And it was just like, 
guys. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> it's mad. All I'm saying is that scrap, that scrap for the relegation is probably going to be one of the most hotly contested ones. I would definitely mm. say that. Alongside the Premier League title, which is probably going to be hotly contested, but I reckon these relegation places in five games' time, if we was to, you know, five, let's just say after the Christmas period, we have a look at it again, and you know, it'd be interesting to see kind of thing who's who's down there, um, you know, because it's it's one of those ones where some teams have been and look at the turnover of managers as well. Do you know what I mean? The amount the, it's because teams have been so poor and had such poor form with runs that we've had, like, was it seven, seven changes, six or seven mm. changes of managers, mm. um, which is, like, unprecedented. But, you know, I guess we'll see. Do you know what I mean? The way that we're playing football now is different as well. The demands are so different. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And this is what I want to kind of finish on as well. Like, when you look at, like, the way that football is being played now, it's very high energy, you know, pressing high energy, turning over the ball. It's 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 weird because it's almost like it is pretty much the way that Tuchel, the way that Liverpool, the way that obviously um Rangnick, the way that you know teams are playing, probably apart from Man City, um the way that teams are playing, it can seem like it's almost bypassing midfielders. Like so if midfielders are not athletic, combative, up and down, box to box, you know, quick and strong it's like they're just getting sidelined or they're seen as luxury players kind of thing. Like, do you, do you guys feel like there's a place for like non-athletic um, per se centre midfielders? So I'm thinking of like your John Joe Shelby. I'm thinking of, um, I'm trying to think Ruben Neves. Um, trying to think of players just off the top of my head. Um, just random guys who who play central midfield, but they're not super, super athletic. They're ball playing CMs. Yeah, like guys like that. Do yeah. you think that these guys can actually um, survive in this era? Do you want to go, Jay? Or after you like you could... Go for it, bro. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> um, definitely. There's definitely a place for them. Because even if you look at those sides who are implementing the those tactics, so look at Klopp, I would say two of the most mm, um, unathletic, if you like, to use a, you know, probably could use a better term. But if you look at Fabinho and you look at Thiago, those two players are not the most high-octane players at all. Or would you say but Thiago's what, doing well? Like, would you say Thiago fits that system? And would you say that that's, that's him shining in that system? So of recent, so there's there's been two periods where Thiago has, has shone. And it's the last couple of games where he's shone. And for him, it's just rhythm <coughs> for him. And I think it's rhythm of himself, like sort of getting himself fit. And then also being in the rhythm of the side. Now, I think what's key for Thiago is Henderson being in the midfield, doing the running basically for him. So if you have like a kind of de, fe- de facto defensive midfielder who's who's setting the traps, setting the press, then it, leave, it leaves the likes of Thiago and Fabinho to just think in the mind, which is where these guys have the advantage, in my opinion. Because they're so quick in the mind, they're able to put themselves in a position where they can prosper. So yeah, it might not lend to you know Thiago's best attributes in terms of 
I wouldn't call him a pressing monster, but his starting positions mean that he can get himself to the ball in a snappy way, quickly, 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 which is what he's doing right now. And it's the same thing with Fabinho. But it's about the unit. Because if you see one line go before you, then the other line, then the line that you're in has to go as well. And it works. It works at Liverpool. It works with Rodri at Man City. Pep was talking about this only last week. He was saying that Rodri's in his best form of his life now. But you can see it because when Rodri first come, you can see he was just a couple of steps behind of the player, what was happening. It's like he's thinking about it. He's thinking, he's thinking. And Rodri's not the most athletic guy either, but it's the, it's the mightiest of thought. And it's, it's the unit as well. And I think, again, settling into that rhythm, we see it with Jorginho at Chelsea. If he's not with Kante and he's not with um, maybe a Kovacic who's busy and who can get about for him, then he can look a bit out of sync. So I think if you if you look at those players there, you look at Jorginho, you look at um, Fabinho, you look at Rodri, those sides I would argue, sorry, those players I would argue have been quite pivotal to those sides accum- accumulating the positions that they have. But, but Fabinho's because... a tackler though. For, in all fairness, Fabinho's like a, a tackler. Mm. He will put his foot in there. He's not yeah. He's not ball playing, bro. Like, let's be honest. you got yeah. guys as well like... Yeah. Like... Um... Sergio Busquets, he's yeah. he's he's been doing his thing at the top at the top of his game for, and he still is now. We've seen him mm. um, in the Euros, um, controlling um, the Spanish team. Um, <clears throat> Tony Kroos as well. You could add is a passer, more of a passer um, at Real Madrid. I think the thing with this question is that I guess these guys that we're speaking about, the non-athletic guys like. Um, I don't know, like a Pirlo or a Busquets or Rodri or whatever. I think teams like or coaches, let's say like like Klopp, when they employ like the counter pressing and the pressing, but mainly the counter pressing, it's it's with the idea that the moment that you lo- they you lose the ball and they they help opposition get the ball, um, and then you counter press them in that moment. They've got to look for the man that they're going to pass to. Um, but then you've got the opposition in your face straight away. So it kind of negates the passing controller guy because whoever's doing the passing and the controlling, um, he wants to look up and find his man and find the right pass rather than um, just hit and waste it, whatever. So that's the whole point of, of counter-pressing. I feel like that kind of thing really came in in when you had the Barcelona, you know, and those kind of sides that were really passing the ball around and whatnot. Um, and it and it made it difficult for the guys that want to pick up their heads and pass the ball um, and control the game and play creative passes from deep. But like what T's saying, I think that it depends on your midfield composition. Um, it's not an individual, an individual game in midfield. Um, if you're playing a midfield two, I would argue that. So if it's like a four-four-two, whatever, then I'd argue that, yeah, probably in t- today, today's game, both midfielders need to be dynamic to some to some degree. Although we've seen um, we've seen examples of it kind of working. So I don't know, like if you guys saw it, like even when you mentioned Shaka in the in the group, Mark, Shaka at Rushmich and Gladbach was playing in the two with Christian Kramer. Kramer, Kramer, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but 
and that worked really well. Um, and Kramer did a lot of the high octane, high energy stuff, and um, Shaka was more of the passer, and it worked at that level. Um, so there is there is aspects of it. There is times where it it can work, but I think it depends on how you put your midfield together and then how you put your wider team together as a coach and whether you you think you can do that. And that's what we saw with, I think, with Italy and Spain in the Euros. You had Busquets, you had Jorginho. Both of them played in those teams. Um, Both of them were lauded for their part and their roles in the way their teams played. But it was because of the composition of the midfield. You had Koke and Pedri doing... Whenever Busquets was... um, in possession and not in possession, they were doing different things. The same thing with Jorginho. Um, so it depends on the, the composition, I think. Um, mm. But I definitely think that if, you, if you've got the composition right, you can have these players in and they do offer something. If they can offer something. So like with Shaka at Arsenal, he, you, could, you could have pair him up with someone who's a bit more defensive and is going to do the running around for him. But if he's going to... You know, lose his head at key moments and stuff like that, then it doesn't even matter. But if you've got a really, truly talented centre mid who's not athletic, but is quick quick at thinking, um, can make the pass and whatnot, then I think you can have them in. Yeah, because my thing is just that I feel like a lot of guys get seen as luxury. So we're talking about Jorginho now, but when Jorginho first came, people's on about the sideways passes and no assists. Do you know what I mean? Is that that was the kind of rhetoric around someone like that who is a ball primarily ball playing, quick thinking kind of guy. Then you have, you know, there's just certain players who I think, okay, Ruben Neves hasn't got his move from from Wolves, but can he play with the, you know, at a higher level than Wolves at the moment? Would he be seen as he's a luxury guy? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because he's not necessarily the quickest and whatever. He's even got the the, the long hair now. Do you get what I'm saying? He just completed the whole. He completed the whole swag. <laughs> you know I mean? He completed the whole swag and got the long hair. Just uh, Jay to was saying that on the weekend. Yeah, he got the headband and that. He's just he just reinforced that I'm this guy. But then, like I say, you got the likes of John Joe Shelby and how he might have been appreciated more by. I know he loses his head and stuff, but you know, just in terms of the passing, the pure passing range and stuff like that. Um, you know, and then I'm just thinking, obviously, Sal just come to the league for Chelsea as well. Again, it's like how you looked at when you're not this combative, athletic sort of player. It's like whether you still value the, the, the quality of these guys. I'm thinking of Van der Beek as well, although he's not strictly CM or whatever. But again, you're looking at him in terms of what sort of player is he? But he ultimately, he's, he's a ball playing. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He makes things happen. But again, it's luxury that people will say he's a luxury player, he's a luxury player. So I guess this is what I'm saying. Shaka, like you mentioned, Shaka, Arsenal, same kind of thing, ball playing guy, but like it's kind of it's 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 just it's it's interesting because like you say, the pressing that happens at the moment makes it difficult for these guys that purely rely on, you know what I'm saying, receiving the ball, making these lovely sequences. Sometimes they haven't got the time on the ball. So now they have to adapt and be even quicker and quicker and quicker. So that's what I'm saying. Like can you can you still live in this in this era um in in, in how you, you play your football? Do you know what I mean? I, I what interesting thing for me is like if I dropped Paul Scholes into this Manchester United team, what would happen? Mm. 
What would a coach yeah. do? Would the coach set up the team mm. to get the best out of Paul Scholes? Yeah, Paul Scholes, yeah. yeah. Or would they be saying to Paul Scholes now, do you need to... You know what I'm saying? You mm, need to start mm -hmm. pressing. You need to start... You need to learn how to tackle and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, before yeah. you could cover up that weakness of just him not being able to tackle. I think someone mentioned the same thing about Zidane as well. Like... The Breakdown Podcast. Because Zidane mm. wasn't physical. But he's... Obviously, yeah. we know he was... His touch and his, his speed of thought was what um, set him apart from everyone else. But you'd have to build the team around... These guys, and that's, I guess, that's. I think there's a lot of factors in this kind of question. So, like, what the coach would 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 do? How does he want to play? How does he want his team to operate? Um, and also, I guess, the league that you're playing in, because leagues like our league, the Premier League, the Bundesliga, um, I would argue as well, the French league are more physical, um, more more intense. Um, probably in the Spanish league or the Italian league, it's a, le le it's a lot less intense in terms of physicality and more about what's done on the ball and tactically. So it depends as well what league we're talking as well. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting, man, because I, I just get the hunch, I just get the feeling that functional guys get the love at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Functional guys who can run, who can this, who can that. Do you know what I mean? Those guys will be seen as, yeah, you know, this is putting in a good performance or whatever. I feel like that's what it is. But when it's somebody who's trying to be um, ball playing or someone who's trying to um, trying to do stuff, because at the top sides, like you're saying, top sides are structured in a way to keep the ball heavy, strong. But, you know, certain players, I'm just like, I, I look at, say, for example, like a Billy Gilmore, I'm just like, will he go? Will he ever go back to Chelsea and be trusted to be, you know, the guy in there kind of thing? Do you know what I mean? And that up and coming mm. baller right now, or will they go Conor Gallagher because yeah. Yeah. he's all yeah. action, yeah. he's combative? Do you know what I mean? We look at those mm -hmm. two players and we go, well, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a very good comparison. I was just thinking that as well. Well, I, I think it's interesting that because um, I wonder if there's something in maybe not getting those players who are gifted enough technically on the ball, maybe not asking them to, to do the pressing or the, or the counter pressing themselves, but getting them into a position. I think maybe this is what, maybe this is Jay's point as well. I don't know if I'm making the same point, but maybe getting in this, getting themselves into a position where when you do win the ball back, your high up team players get it. You get them, those players into a hurtful position. So then you can set them off to play the pass. You know, it's a similar thing as um, I think Ralph was talking about with, with Ronaldo, where, OK, you might not get Ronaldo, for example. I know it's a different point, but you might not get Ronaldo to himself to do the pressing that you might get. You might ask Sancho or Rashford to do, but you get him in a position where he can be hurtful off the back of that, if that makes sense. And then he can display his finishing ability. I wonder if it's the same thing for some of those the midfielders, if that's the, the, the way of thinking. Yeah, it's true. It's it's definitely true to have them in there. And I think because, like you say, the the collective, you know, we go on about it, right? We we do all these stats on just like the collective, the amount of yards run and stuff like that. Whereas, like sometimes you you can get midfielders who've run all day, but look at their past completion stats. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. look at their past completion. Look at the progressive passing that they've done, and they they've not. 
you know what I mean? And it, and it's and and my thing is breaking the lines is is more like oftentimes breaking the lines with your passing as a central midfielder is the X factor. That's what it's all about. Like if you can break defensive lines, you nullify pressing. If you are quote unquote, as they say, it's like such a big thing, press resistant. Yeah, I hate that word, but because <laughs> I don't, I just feel like who should, who's not press resistant? Which mm. player that plays centrally is not? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's not press resistant. What does that mean? What on earth does that mean? Like, you're telling me he cannot receive the ball whilst under pressure. Why does he play in midfield then? I didn't get Chaka. it. Chaka, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, when there's certain people, it's just like, what are you talking about, kind of thing. Um, because that whole thing, it just gets on my nerves. See, the way you snake Shaka, yeah. <laughs> I just got to say, you know, you snake him, yeah. You'd think Bro. that T T T's hated him all his life, but the way you used to bang on about him when he was in Germany, I just have to say it. <laughs> Bro, I'm sorry, man. The guy's a disappointment. I'm sorry. I'm you, sorry. You, you recommended him, bro. You was recommending listen, him to listen. everyone that listened. Well, I was wrong. So, so you wrong. made a mistake here? Yeah? Okay, cool. Yeah, That's fine. I was wrong. <laughs> that guy has a compilation himself. And Mar Marky knows, because Marky hates this in particular. Now, look out for it now. He's in his box, yeah? Oh. And he's putting him, and he's, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he wants to receive the ball. He gets the ball, and then, listen, then you know what happens next. There's a compilation about it, man. Listen, Shaka shot himself in the foot. Not me. You recommended him, mate. <laughs> you recommended <laughs> You know what? It's it's so stressful though. Like square passing and stuff like that. Like, do you know what I mean? It, that stuff really gets on my nerves. Square passing, you know, just just meaningless sort of stuff. And it's just like you know, after a while, you're like, what? What are you guys doing? Like, what? I, that's that's what I don't understand. I want to know how some of these guys see the game. Do you get mm. what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. all the best teams, yeah, all the best teams and the best players, they're not always made up of the best. Per athletes per se do you know what I mean because even defensively um, if you're in the right positions and you close off your angles properly you probably run a lot less mm, mm. as an individual player you probably don't have to just you know like, like when we talk about someone like say for example and a Wan bissaka this is a different point but Wan bissaka defensively it's all about you know I know the space behind me but let him try it and I'll run yeah. and I'll tackle him. You know what I'm saying? I'll run and do a big slide tackle and, and yeah, that's great. But it's like the intelligence side of it is also just like, okay, I'm going to block this angle. He can't run there. So therefore he'll make a run inside. And then uh, my, 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 my afternoon's a lot easier. You know what I mean? So both in midfield and defence, it's the same kind of thing. It's like the difference between like what we're talking about, you're saying uh, someone that presses from the front, oh, he's pressing, he's onto their defenders. Versus some guys, they don't need to. They don't need to necessarily run and press down from the front. All they need to do is be in a position that if one of the one of your midfielders is able to nick the ball, where your the, the run you're gonna make, you've already targeted the centre half or the, the the weakest link in that back line who you're gonna pick off. You mm. know for a fact who that is. So it's just like, and that might happen once in a game, and then that's the winning goal. But sometimes the way that it is now, and I feel like it's a bit of a shame that the the intelligence side of it is in is it's in danger in certain instances for being the way, way more about work rate than it is actual quality and IQ or the system. Yeah. So we're talking about the individual versus the collective now, because whereas before, I guess in our era, kind of growing up when we were a bit younger, we're used to the 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 IQ of the individual. 
excelling in the game, being given a responsibility to dictate or to have an influence. But whereas now it's a complete reliance, you know, but counter pressing is the is the playmaker or oh, you know, because this line didn't work, they didn't go together. So the whole team fell apart. It's like, well, that's a bit lazy. What about if one player was like, okay, you know, I'm going to take some responsibility. And if I make this, if I create this angle, or as you said, if I block off this lane, then I, I can see the, the opposition can't do this. But we see it a lot, you know. Um, Mikel at Arsenal, Mikel Arteta at Arsenal, this comes up a lot, all the time. And you just think to yourself, what, can the players not think for themselves? You know, in, in, it's, it's a bit off the topic, but you can see, for example, the centre midfielders picking up the ball, feed Aubameyang or feed whoever's going to make the run. Why are you relying on the system? Because this slot didn't come, this person didn't make this angle or he didn't make the run at that exact point. So the whole thing falls down. And it's like, where's the bit of responsibility or the, or the individual IQ to say, okay, you know, or even just unpredictability for the sake of it? Mm. Because patterns become predictable. You know, I think it's, it's definitely a, a individual versus collective thing at the moment. Yeah, because they say this about Pep as well, like, oh, he's dr- drilled people and it's like they're robotic and whatever. But that's that's not true. That's actually mm. not true. He puts them in positions, strategic positions, but then it's up to that person to show their level of quality. That when Sterling plays on the right, it's not the same as when Mahrez plays on the right. Mm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not the same, like, it was when Foden has individual brilliance. Or sometimes Gundogan is just wild. You know, sometimes some some when he's just on it kind of thing. And I am Kevin De Bruyne's IQ just comes through. It's, 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 it's still in the... I know we're talking about, obviously, a top team, but still, there are other teams where, you know, people are allowed to make their decisions based on their, you know, individual kind of um, autonomy of what's going mm. on. Mm. Yeah, I think... There's a difference between giving giving your players a framework and the rules of the framework and then saying, operate within this framework and it's fine. And instructing them and choreo- choreographing, like choreographing so their every move. And I think you guys, you brought up City and Arsenal. I think that's the difference. I think at City, those talented players have been given a framework. This is how we're going to operate within this framework. And... Um, these are the rules. Don't do this when this is happening. But other than that, go out and do your thing. Um, whereas at Arsenal, I think every move is is kind of... And you can see it from those who play and those who don't play in, in the team. Um, those are a bit more cavalier. Not going to play in the team. They're going to get in trouble because they're not going to do what the system says should be done, whether it's working or not. So, yeah. The Breakdown Podcast.